0: for a word for 2021. Amen. So starting a brand new series called What to Do When. And really, I think this is very fitting going into a new year because we all have different questions we ask ourselves. And so over the course of this series, we're going to be talking about different subjects, subjects like what to what do I do when I drift from God? You know, you ever have those moments in your life where you, you do a self-check and you just feel like, you know what, I'm not as close to God as I used to be. There's, there's something happening. It's almost like when you go to the beach. Anybody like the beach in here? Any beach lovers in the house? Come on, you go to the beach, you set up your umbrella, you set up the cooler, you pop up your seats, and you go out into the water to play with your kids. 30 minutes later, you're looking up there and say, wait a minute, somebody stole my stuff. Look, nobody stole your stuff. Your stuff is like 30 or 40 yards up the beach. What happened? You drifted. Your stuff didn't move, you moved. And so we're going to be talking about that. What happens in life when we drift from God, then we're going to be talking also about, what do I do when someone that I really love makes bad choices? What do I do in those moments? What, what do I do when I see this train wreck getting ready to happen? What do I do in that moment? And then we're going to be talking about really a big one. What do I do when God says no? What do I do in those moments The moments that I prayed, and I fasted, and I believed, and and in my heart, I really believe this is what God wanted, but God said, no, what do I do in those moments? We're going to be talking about all of these subjects, but today, we're going to open it up, and we're going to be talking about something, quite frankly, that I don't like to talk about. We're going to be talking about something that I would rather not bring up, and it's one word, failure. Failure. What do I do when I fail? And I mean, think about you. When you think about failure, I mean, it, it, it's kind of juicy, it's interesting, it's intriguing, as long as it's somebody else's failure. But what about when it's you? What about when it lands in your home, in your lab? What, what do you do when, when you forget something that you were supposed to go to, or someone you were supposed to call? What, what do you do when you let your family down? When you let your spouse, your kids down? What do you do when, when you click on that site that you swore you'd never click on again? What do you do when you fail? Because the truth is, every single one of us in this room, we know what the sting of failure feels like. We know the the bitter feeling that comes in our gut, if you will, when failure sinks in. I mean, even Job in the Old Testament knew what it felt like. In Job chapter 17, verse 11, here's what he said. He says, My days have passed. My plans are shattered. And my desires of my heart, they, they're broken. One translation said, the desires of my heart, they're broken. So here's Job. And Job is saying, hey, my days have passed. My plans are shattered. And the desires of my heart are broken. Let me ask you something. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like that in your life? Have you ever kind of took a step back and felt like, man, my days are past. Everybody else is moving ahead. Everybody else is doing their thing. They're, they're enjoying life. And here I am, and I just can't get over it. What about your plans being shattered? You ever, you ever had that happen to you? Where it just seems like everything you touch falls apart. Seems like you take one step forward and three steps back. And that is your life. It's like the hurrier I go, the behinder I get. Come on, amen? Not good English, but that's the way we feel sometimes. Our plans are shattered. And then what about this? What about your desires? You ever lost your desire to do something? I mean, why well, I, I don't even want to get out of the bed in the morning. I don't want to start over. I mean, it's just one failure after another. And I'm like, dude, you're 15, amen? amen? Pull yourself up. Get over it. But we all feel that way. You know, it's interesting, I was doing a little research on Colonel Sanders. Come on, anybody know who Colonel Sanders is? Come on, KFC, baby. Doing a little research on him, and we find that Colonel Sanders, when he's 65 years of age, he sells his restaurant, but he doesn't have enough money to retire. So he comes up with this plan to try to sell the chicken recipe. Come on, the 11 herbs and spices. Amen. I mean, how many of you are getting hungry right now? The 11 herbs and spices. And listen, he says, you know what? I just want to sell it. And it's not like he was asking for a lot of money. He wasn't asking for a lot of money at all. He was simply asking for four cent per chicken. For every chicken you sell, he gets four cents. How many of you know that's not a lot? And over the course of two years, he was told no over a thousand times. I mean, think about that. If you do the math, that's almost one and a half times every day he's told no. For two years. Imagine your life for two years. You wake up on Monday, no. Tuesday, no. Thursday, no. Saturday, no. Sunday, no. For two years, everybody's telling this guy, no. How many of you know it's easy to lose a desire when all these no's keep coming at you? But finally, somebody said yes. And when they said yes, he went on to die at 90 years of age as a millionaire. Why? Because he did not lose his desire. Turn to somebody and say, don't lose your desire. Don't lose your desire. And so for today, I really just simply have two goals. I don't want to keep you long. Just two goals for today. And it's simply this, for those of you who cannot identify with failure, maybe your life's going great right now, you don't have any problems, everything's just wonderful, there's a lot of people who don't like you, amen? But everything's just great for you right now, it's wonderful. If that's you, then my goal is to help you to minimize your failures in the future. The second goal is for those of you who do understand what we're talking about. You do understand failure. You do understand losing your desire. You do understand that. Maybe you're stuck. My goal is to jumpstart your life again. To get going in the right direction. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write some things down. And I want to give you three things that happen when you fail. Failure happens when. So in other words, these are three things that... If you do certain things in your life, you're guaranteed to fail. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Failure happens when I think I've arrived. Failure happens when I think I've arrived. Proverbs 16 verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before a fall. There's a quote that says a man never gets anywhere if he thinks he's already there. Come on, a man never gets anywhere if he thinks he's already there. A person who gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. Come on, I'm giving you some good stuff today. So listen, and I'm not saying that you can't have a sense of, of pride if you have a dream and, and you plan something and you work hard at it and you succeed. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you ever get to the place and if you ever get too proud where you think you've arrived, where you think, you know what? I don't have anything else to learn. And you get to the place where you feel like I don't need any advice from any counselors and you kind of know it all. Listen, Proverbs 15, tells us this. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So again, if you've got that attitude that says, I don't need any advice, I don't need anybody, me and Jesus got our own thing going, listen to me, pride leads to destruction. You'll always fail when you come to the place in your life where you think you've arrived. But here's the second one. Failure happens when I give up too soon. Failure happens when I give up too soon. It's, it's kind of like trouble. the trouble with many people in their lives is in trying times, they stop trying. They just give up. They walk away. I mean, how many ball games have you seen where there was one team that just really blew it in the first half and you're thinking the game is over, there's no way? They come back in the second half to gain victory. Listen, one of the greatest... Ball games in NFL history, it's a game that's simply called the comeback. The comeback. 1993, Buffalo Bills versus the Houston Oilers. And the Oilers jump out to a 35 3 lead. There's only 28 minutes left in the game. And here is the Buffalo Bills with a 32 point deficit. People are leaving the stadium. People are saying the game is over. There's no way. The announcer is saying, man, let's just pack it up and go home. No way Buffalo can come back. I mean, even the Oilers are on the sideline high fiving each other, thinking they won the game. And then to top it all off, here is Buffalo, and they don't even have their starting quarterback, they've got a backup quarterback. But as soon as they got that ball, with 28 minutes left in the game, they started scoring and scoring and scoring. And the crowd that was left is going wild. The people who left the game are trying to get back in at this point because something amazing is happening. Buffalo would go on to win the game in overtime. Come on, the comeback. Why? Because they did not give up. Greatest game in history, 32-point comeback. Because they weren't willing to give up. Psalms chapter 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. The problem is, too many people quit before morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 says this You need to persevere. Turn to your neighbor and say, You quit too quickly. Come on, look at them. You quit too quickly. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you give up too quickly. If it doesn't happen in two hours, you're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to walk away. But you need to keep going. You need to persevere. Why? So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. Listen, I thought about Joshua and the children of Israel. Suppose they would have only marched around the walls of Jericho six times. I mean, it's six times. It ought to be good enough. Why are we not seeing results? Why are we not seeing the walls fall? But God told them seven times. Joshua chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Here's what God said. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days and then watch. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. You realize how easy it would have been to give up on lap number five? Lap number six. I mean, I'm not seeing a crack in the wall. I'm not seeing the dust. I'm not seeing anything. Happen. It would have been easy to pack it up and say, man, we're going home. But you were on lap six. Just one more lap and God's victory came about. I believe there's some of you in here today and listening by podcast. You're on lap number six and you don't even know it. And so many people today, because they don't know where they are in relation to God's promise, they give up. They quit. They give up on their marriages. They give up on ministry. They give up on kids. They give up on God. And you're on lap number six and you don't even know it. Turn to somebody and say, don't give up. Don't give up. So failure happens when what? When I get too proud. When I want to think I've arrived. Failure happens when I give up too soon. Here's the third time that failure happens is when I don't do life God's way. When I don't do life God's way, Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says, There's a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. The fact is that God's word is filled with principles that will work, but in order for the principles to work, you've got to work the word. You've got to be willing to do that. But we don't want to work the principles because God's principles are often counter to our natural way of thinking. Just doesn't line up. For instance, God says the way to get is to give. Give your life and you will receive life. The way to be honored is to be humbled. The way to greatness is to be a servant. And again, we listen to that and it just doesn't compute. It just doesn't add up with our natural way of thinking. Because our natural self says the way to get is to grab. Come on. The way to get respect is to brag until somebody notices The way to get my needs met is to demand my rights. So again, we've got all this stuff going on, and it leaves us with the question, which way do I go? But hear my Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9 Says this, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Listen, it may not always feel logical to do things God's way, but hear me, if you live by your feelings, if you live by your emotions, you will fail in the end. But regardless of your course of failure, whether it's pride, whether it's you giving up too soon, whether it's you're listening to the wrong sources, listen today, I don't want to concentrate on your past. I want to concentrate on your future because hear me today, God is more interested in your future than he is your past. So with that, I want to give you three steps today in developing a fresh start. Three steps to developing a fresh start, and then I'll let you go. Here's the first step. Step number one is this, accept responsibilities for my own failures. Accept responsibility for my own failures. Come on, look at somebody and say, don't point the finger. Come on, look at them. Don't point the finger, pull the thumb. Come on, don't point the finger, pull the thumb. Accept responsibility. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says this in the Living Bible. I love the way this translation phrases it. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. He gets another chance. That's Proverbs 28, verse 13. What does that tell me? That tells me that if I'm not willing to accept responsibility for my sins, for my fault, for my failure, then I'm doomed to fail from the start. So when you mess up, admit it. Hey, it's my fault. I blew it. I take full responsibility for it. Because most people today, have you ever noticed, are experts at passing the buck? Have you ever noticed that, or is it just me? You know, and again, that's another example of our tendency to do the opposite of God's way. And theologians call it a sin nature. And that's what it is. Because if you go all the way back to the garden and Adam and Eve, they're in the cool of the day. They're walking with God. God says, hey man, you see that tree right there? Don't touch it. What do they do? They go and eat from it. And then when God calls them to the carpet, they blame everybody else. Eve is blaming the serpent. Adam is blaming God. You gave her to me. I mean, mean, it's this blame game. And that attitude has been passed on from generation to generation. So the question we have to ask ourselves is how do we overcome that? We have to be willing to accept responsibility for our own personal failure. The Bible says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And listen, we have to be willing to accept what Christ has done for us on the cross at Calvary in order to move our lives forward. Stop being a pro at passing the blame. It's the economy. It's the weather. It's bad karma. It's my, my wife, my kids, whatever. God says, hey, if you want a fresh start in your life, stop blaming and start accepting responsibility for your own actions. But here's step number two. Here's what you got to do if you want that fresh start. Stop regretting and start repenting. Stop regretting and start repenting. And you understand it's normal to feel regret when we fail. It's, it's, It's normal to do that. It's a normal part of life. But there comes a time where you've got to get to the place where you have to stop regretting and move on to repenting. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. And, and, and while I'm reading this, I'm gonna call my volunteers up. They're gonna help me out today. Come on, give them a hand as they're coming up. Make them feel appreciative. They're coming up. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. It gives us two types of sorrow. It says, godly sorrow brings about repentance, which leads to salvation, and it leaves what? No regret. So there's godly sorrow. It brings about repentance. It brings about change. But then there's worldly sorrow. And worldly sorrow does what? It brings what? Death. So you've got two different types of sorrow happening here. You've got godly sorrow and you've got worldly sorrow. So you've got one that leaves you chained up to your past, to your past mistakes. Hold that right there, girlfriend. We want you chained good today. Amen. She's chained up. So godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. Here's the thing. If you've got godly sorrow, here's what happens. You're willing to repent. You're willing to accept responsibility. And as a result, because of Christ, change comes into your heart. Change comes into your life. And you begin to move forward with your life. This is godly sorrow. Okay? Worldly sorrow is when all you do is wallow in regret. That's all you do. You regret your past. You regret your sin. You regret your mistake. You regret the addiction. You regret the divorce. You regret the alcoholism. You live in regret. And as a result, you are chained to your past. You can't move. Look, she can't move forward because she's chained to her past. And this is the difference between the two types of sorrow. This one right here is living her life looking at the rearview mirror. This one right here is living his life looking at the windshield. God's plans, God's purpose is still being revealed in him, is still working in him. God is using him. Is he sorry for what he'd done? Absolutely. Was there regret? Absolutely. But because he was willing to repent, because he was willing to come to God, God moved his life forward. But here is one that says every morning, if it only been different... If I would have done this, if I would have done that, if I would have been caught in this, if I wouldn't have been caught in that. And so as a result, she's chained to her past and she can't move forward. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. He says this, forgetting what is what? Behind. Forgetting the past. It's in the past. Forgetting what is behind, I press toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me in Christ Jesus. Stop letting the choices and the problems of your past chain you and defeat you to where you can't live the life that God called you to live. Listen, let me ask you a question What is it in your past that's keeping you from moving forward? Past regret, past sin, past shame? What is it that's keeping you chained to the past? When all you have to do is come to God. Because listen, if she comes to God and she repents and she puts it under the blood, watch what God does. God moves her life forward But you'll never move forward as long as you are chained to the sins of your past. Stop wallowing in regret. God forgave you. God was nailed to the cross. So stop nailing yourself to the cross. And let it go. And watch God move your life forward. Give these guys a big hand. Thank you guys. And listen, the best example of that that I find in Scripture is Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas, big mistake. Both of them failed. Both of them betrayed God. Both of them were devastated. The only difference between them was their response. That's the only difference. One repented, wept, and was changed. The other one lamented, regretted, and died. That's the difference. One went on to do great things. The other one went on to the grave. You ever seen the response that Jesus gave to Peter? And again, I'm sure that Peter felt shame. I'm sure he felt regret. He had denied the Savior. He had messed up time and time again. Lord, I'll never deny you. And then within a matter of hours, he's denying him three times. So I'm sure he felt all of that. But early morning outside the tomb, look at what Mark chapter 16 verse 7 says. The angel came and told Mary, but go tell the disciples and who? Come on, say that like you mean it. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Peter. Why? Because Jesus wanted to single out Peter to let him know, you need a special word of encouragement. I haven't forgotten you. I still love you. I still care for you. And yes, you messed up, but you were willing to repent. You were willing to accept my forgiveness. And as a result, Peter would go on to the day of Pentecost and preach one time, and 3,000 people get saved. The doors are open to the Gentiles. And yet, Judas was willing to stay chained. And as a result, he died. So where are you at? Which one are you? If you want a fresh start, you've got to be willing to accept responsibility. You've got to stop regretting and start repenting. But here's step three. You've got to be willing to trust God to work it all out. Trust God to work it all out. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this, We know that those who loved God, who are called according to His plan, turn to somebody and say, God has a plan for you. Has a plan for you. He's got a calling for your life. Everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. You understand? That's the bad and the good. It's all mixed together. Come on, how many of you guys love chocolate chip cookies? I know we've been fasting, but today's the last day. Come on, in Jesus' name. How do you make chocolate chip cookies? Throw a little flour in there, throw a little baking soda, a little salt, a little sugar, some chocolate chips, voila. Good ingredients and bad ingredients. But you mix them together and something great comes out of it. It's kind of how God does us, isn't it? When you read in the scripture in the book of Hebrews, it talks about Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about these great men and women of faith did extraordinary things. And yet, when you look at their past, it was full of failures. It was full of regret and sin and shame and change. It was full of all of that. I mean, think about it. These guys, they're they're liars. They're murderers. They're adulterers. They're prostitutes. But yet, they were willing to take these steps and God used them. And here we are 3,000 years later still talking about it you want to overcome the defeats in your life accept responsibility repent and trust God and can I tell you from personal experience that God has a way of taking your deepest failures and turning them into your greatest dreams God specializes in taking crucifixions and turning them into resurrections He specializes in that it's never too late for you it's never too late. Listen, Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. I love this verse of Scripture. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And it's amazing to know that you've got a God that loves you so much that when you blow it, He comes to you a second time. And I'll even say a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time. No matter what failures or defeats you've had in your past, let me let you in on a little secret today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, For if a man is in Christ, he has become a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone, and everything has become fresh and new. It's never too late to start over. Never. Bible calls it being born again. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's starting a new life with Jesus being at the head of that life. And listen, as you go through life, there's going to be there's going to be people to come and try to condemn you. There's going to be the the opportunity to show up and and keep you chained. Well, if I remember what you did. Oh man, look, uh, you you're on the stage. Oh, man, you're you're preaching now? Oh, you're serving in kids' church? Oh, man, you're doing this? What is that? That's condemnation. Chains of regret and guilt wrapping around your life. But the great thing about the gospel is your past is the past. And when you accept Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior and you repent of your sins, you know what Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Did I do it? Yes. Was it a mistake? Yes. How did you handle it? Did you wallow in it? Or did you turn your eyes to the cross and say, Father... I messed it up. It was my fault. Forgive me. And the whole time while you're doing that, you don't even realize it, but God has got His hands on your back, and He's moving you forward. He's moving your life forward. Stand with me all over the house. So where do you find yourself at right now? 2021. See, 2020, for some of you, may have been a lot of this. And 2021 comes around. New me. New you, boo. But you still changed. Because you haven't been willing to go to the cross and say, Father, forgive me. I messed up. I accept responsibility for what I did. I'm not trying to blame anybody. It was me. Listen, have you ever worked with somebody and you knew good and well it was their fault for whatever happened but they want to blame everybody else? Come on, don't. if you, if you know somebody in here don't, don't point at them. Just kind of lean over softly and just say, you know. It's funny how everybody else can see it but you. It goes back to the beginning. When somebody else fails, it's juicy. It's intriguing. It's, it's interesting. But when I fail, I want to cover it up. And I don't want you to know about it. I want to hide it in a closet somewhere. And when you do that, unbeknownst to you, you wrap a chain around your life that mistake and that failure constantly keeps you chained. It is only when you have godly sorrow to repent God forgive me I messed up that God will take your life and move you forward and continue to use you. As long as there's breath in you, God is not done with you. There's great things He has in store for you. But you've got to be willing, coming into 2021, to say, Father, I messed up in 2020. Maybe, maybe some of you come into 2021 and we're just a few days in it and you're like, Lord, I already blew it. <laughs> yeah. There's no better time than now to say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. So won't you bow your heads with me all over the house? Father, we thank you for moments like this. We thank you for the privilege and kind of just really knowing in our heart of hearts that no matter what we've done, no matter where we're at, we can come to you. We can repent and we can move forward with our lives. And so God, right now, I pray for every individual in this house today. You know our hearts. You know where we are. You know our past. You know those chains. And every chain has a name. But Father, the Bible says that You are the anchor for our souls. There's a rope that has hope and His name is Jesus. And so Lord, I pray now, break the chains off Your people. Break the chains off Your people. If there's something that... You're feeling right now if there's something God may bringing, something to your attention, something that maybe you you didn't think you were, you know, you thought you were over it, but come to find out you're not over it and you're still wallowing in that regret. Take this moment right now to just simply say, Father, forgive me. Set me free and help me. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name. Just you keep your heads bowed all over the house. Let me ask you a question. It's just me and you. Just me and you. Is everything all right with your soul? Is everything all right with your life? Are you still living in chains? Or have you got to the place in your life where you've been willing to come to God and say, Father, forgive me. If you're in the house today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I believe that God brought you here for this reason, for this moment, right here to connect with you. And so if you say, Pastor, that's me, I've never taken that step, I've never accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, but man, I'm tired of these chains, I'm ready to be free. Would you just simply slip a hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? Pray for me, I'm tired of the chains. I've got to be free. Maybe you're in here today and you're still carrying regret. You're still carrying some sin. You're still carrying your past. If that's you, would you just be willing to slip a hand and say, Pastor, pray for me so that I can move forward. Seize the hand, hand, hand. Seize the hands lifted up all over this place. He sees them. Pray for me. Pray for me. Father, in the name of Jesus today, we come to you with open hearts and open arms. And we just ask one thing, Father, that you would forgive us. <clears throat> Lord, it was our fault. We blew it. We messed up. We knew we shouldn't have done it in the circumstance, but we just got caught up and we, we just, we did it. So God, forgive us. And set us free. And help us, oh God. To not fall back into those chains. To not fall back into that past. but, But God set us free today. Because He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, come on, look at me. Give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house.